One of the major reasons our world finds itself in such a painful mess is because God's people have allowed the world to define what is normal for society. This sad fact is extremely apparent as related to the institution of marriage. Listen in today as Pastor Rander continues to speak about this matter in the message, Misconceptions in Marriage. He'll begin our discussion in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse number 32. If it's not of God, ask God to dismiss it. Take that thought with the Holy Spirit's power captive to the obedience of Christ, lest that thought turns into an action. So stop thinking ungodly toward your spouse because really you're thinking ungodly about yourself because you're one flesh. You are one flesh. So you're talking about you. The two of you have become one. You see? Love thinks no evil. Not just in the context of marriage, a context of other members of the church, somebody that's wronged you, offended you, or your neighbor, or your child. Uh, you thinking evil because of all you invested in them and now and you get little return on what you've given to your children. Uh, perhaps a relative, a sister, an in-law, or whatever, a sibling. Don't think evil. You know, don't don't think you by the way, don't think as a racist of uh, being prejudiced and all these kinds of things. Uh that 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 is of the devil. God made us all. I see all these couples and interracial couples and blacks and whites and Hispanics. That's a picture of heaven on earth. Let's give God a hand clap of praise for diversity. Green and yellow, black and white, they are precious in God's sight. Jesus loves the people of this world. Don't see people through the lens of color. See people as people who need the Lord and who needs to be ministered to. And and God put those persons in your life for you to touch them with Christ's likeness. Uh, Number nine, you know your marriage is in trouble when one spouse constantly holds the threat of divorce over the head of the other. When one spouse constantly holds the threat of divorce over the head of the other. Malachi 2.16a says, for the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. What is God's attitude about divorce? He hates it. When you get married, you're supposed to throw away the key and can't find your way out. Because there is no longer a key to get out, therefore, you have to work it out. Divorce. You, do, you say, you do that again, that's one. Okay, that's two. That's three, I'm out of here. You start counting down on your husband or your spouse. You know, if you, do, if you say that again, I'm going to divorce you. Matter of fact, if you want your marriage to last long, dismiss the D word. That word is not in the vocabulary of your marriage. Dismiss it. Don't even say it. That's right. Ask God to give you anything but the D word. No divorce. No divorce. Don't even say it. Don't miss. That's not an option. That's not on the table. Because our God is able and with God nothing is impossible. You say nothing? Yes. And guess, by the way, that includes your what? Marriage. 
Nothing is impossible. Marriages fail because so many husbands and wives are quick to give up on each other and walk away from their marriage and family. Now, I know there are very limited grounds of divorce. We'll talk about that later uh, at some other times. Uh, biblically, there are not a whole lot of grounds. And so and we just create our own grounds for divorce and just think we have all just a license to do just get out for everything. He looked at me funny. It's divorce time. He costs too much and all these things. And but but uh, what's that income incompatible? Thank you. Irreconcilable differences. I was trying to get irreconcilable differences. And that, oh, that's a big one at the top of the list. Irreconcilable. We're not reconciling, you know. We're not reconciling. Irreconcilable differences. Listen, why is it that the divorce rate among Christians is just as high as those who know not the Lord? Those who don't know the Savior. I thought we have a God that's, that's able to keep us in the midst of. Why is it that the divorce rate in the church rivals that of the world? Irreconcilable differences. We can't agree. We can't on this, on that. We can't agree on the toothpaste, how to squeeze it. We can't agree on the toilet paper. With this, We can't agree on dishes. We can't agree on the children's education. We can't agree on... Ask God for help. Ask God for help. Stop saying irreconcilable differences. Some of you don't want to find a solution because you want to get out that badly. So uh, God wants us to fight for the sanctity of marriage. I'm going to say it again. You're getting quiet. And I realize that there are some extreme cases out there. And you don't, the worst thing you do is stay in the house and let that person knock one tooth out at a time. If he knock one tooth out, get out of the house, lest you be toothless. You know, you know. So I, I realize that there's abuse out there, and there's things. I, you know, I'm not saying just stay there and just be beaten until you can't even identify yourself. I mean, have some common sense, because if he's doing all that or she's doing all that, most likely they are not saved, because by their fruit you shall know them. You know, they can say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm a, to get you, you know, because a lot of folks can say anything to get what they want. You understand what I'm saying? And then once they get you, then all of a sudden they are manifesting all kinds of fruit that displays anything but a Christian. And if they're doing all those kinds of things, I surmise that they are not a Christian. And uh, because the scripture says, why call me Lord and do not what I say, fight for the sanctity of marriage. Is your marriage worth fighting for? Yes. Whether you marry two months, 20 years, 50 years, it's worth fighting for. Satan in this world system wants to destroy the fabric of marriage. And this system of the world and the television, the media is Satan The flesh is doing a great job. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 14 says, And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, 
Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. Fight for your houses. Fight for your family. Fight. I ask you a question now. Is there any fight left in you for your marriage? Is there any fight left? You don't have a perfect marriage because you're two imperfect people, but you do serve a perfect God, and there's nothing that intrudes in your marriage that God can't work out. Can't work out. Here we have all kinds of ministries to assist you and uh, in your marital development to the glory of God. Constantly threatening to divorce your spouse is a breeding ground for Satan to undermine your marriage. Instead of speaking death, speak words of love, speak words of life in your marriage, speak words of healing, words that bring healing, not hurt, words that brings hope, hope in your marriage to the glory of God. Encourage your marriage. Speak words of life, words that heal, words of hope. Honey, we're struggling. It seems like we just can't get it together. But somehow, some way, with the help of God, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. It doesn't stop here. Satan wants our marriage and we got to fight. Can't we see him working? He wants to destroy our marriage and we have to refuse to let him do that. So we're going to be a united front. Instead of fighting each other, we're going to bound ourselves together and fight the devil who wants the marriage in the first place. You see, Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can break your spouse's heart or you can just bless your spouse's heart. You never call your spouse dumb. You never call them do nothing. Never call them stupid. Never call your spouse a fool, you know, and um, it, it may be true. It may be true, uh, but, uh, but, say, but, 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 but say, honey, there is hope for you, okay? <laughs> Try with the help of God for heaven's sake to put a spiritual spin on it. You know, the Bible says a lot about a fool, but you know what? If you use that terminology, then, you know, then they'll, they'll remember that. We'll hold on to that. We'll hold on to that. So, so don't glorify those words that tear down, uh, but speak words of life and healing. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Uh, number 10, how you can know your marriage is in trouble. Marriages fail because of a failure to worship God together. Marriages fail because of a failure to worship God together. Beloved, worship is the spiritual glue that holds marriages and families together. Worship is the spiritual glue that holds marriages and families together. Be mindful that a prayerless home will have the potential for more arguments, strife, and tension. Husbands ought to be praying with wives. Wives ought to be praying with husbands. Before I left the house this morning, I grabbed my wife's hand and I prayed with her and I gave her a kiss and told her I loved her at five o'clock this morning. Y'all sure get quiet when I talk about us. 
Practice kissing your spouse, hugging your spouse, holding their hands. Practice saying, I love you. Uh, That's so critical because when you pray, you can't pray and fight. If you're fighting after you pray, get back on your knees. You got up too quickly. Okay? Because true prayer will not permit you to fight. Whereas a praying family will experience more unity. A praying family will experience more peace, more love, and more harmony. Because prayer has a way of diffusing a whole lot of satanic and demonic activity. Pray your way through. Your child go off to college and begin to do some things that you know they didn't grow up doing. Pray for them. When they're no, no longer on your lap, but they're on your heart, pray for them. When they get to begin to dibble and dabble into stuff that you know will bring about their demise, pray for them. When you don't know where they are, what they're doing, God has put them on your heart to pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them when they are out of your sight. Pray for them. Pray for your spouse. Pray pray for your family. Pray for your grandchildren. Pray for them. Here's a beautiful picture on prayer in uh, Genesis uh, Genesis chapter 48. If you ha- have your Bibles, you should have your Bibles. You're in church. If you don't bring your Bibles anywhere else uh, to church, I know you won't bring it anywhere else. Uh, Genesis 48, chapter 48, verses 8 through 10, and then verse 20. Uh, the 48th chapter, verses 8 through 10 and verse 20. Then Israel, his name was Jacob, but then God changed his name to Israel. Remember that? Saw Joseph's sons and said, who are these? Joseph said to his father Israel, they are my sons, which were Israel's grandsons. They are my sons, daddy. Whom God has given me in this place. And Israel said, please bring them to me. The next time you, your kids walked in the house with their parents and you just said, bring those children to me and I will Bless them. (laughs) I'm getting happy. Bring them to me. He was old, full of days. Eyes were dim. Bring them to me. Wow. Please bring them to me and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age. So that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them near him. Look what he does. And he kissed them and embraced them. Daddies, granddaddies, mamas, mamas. When the last time you kissed your children? Listen, you need to leave your children well kissed. Well loved in a healthy way. I'm not talking about in an abusive way, in a healthy way. 
Because they'll start looking, if you don't do a healthy type of love in a right, appropriate environment, they'll start looking for the wrong kind of love in the wrong places. Your, your, your children need to see what true godly love in the context of a Christian home really is. The scripture says that he brought the children near him and he kissed them and he embraced them. You ought to leave your children um, with a wonderful legacy. My daddy, my granddaddy, my mama, my grandmama, they kissed me, they hugged me, they embraced me, they loved me. And long after you departed to be with the Lord, those children will remember those hugs and those kisses and those embraces. That, that's not, this is, you know, I don't, that's mushy. That's not mushy, that's healthy. That's healthy. That's healthy. That's power. Jesus touched people. Jesus touched people. He laid his hands on people. So, verse 20 says, so he blessed them that day, saying, by you, Israel will be blessed. Yeah? You speak words of blessings on your children. Words of hope. on you. They're struggling in the area. You know, lay hands and pray on them. So that God, they don't have to continue the curse in your family generation. Speak words of faith. They're going to be the one to break that cycle because you laid hand and pray. Prayer is more powerful than any curse. Any curse. So may God bless you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And thus he said, Ephraim before Manasseh. Praying for your family is so invaluable and it creates a wonderful opportunity for you to minister to your children in the Holy Spirit. Last but not the least, as we conclude this series, you know your marriage is in trouble when there is an inability to forgive. Neither your words nor your actions will minister to your spouse or marriage or family. You know your marriage is in trouble when there is an inability to what? Forgive. Because when you have an unforgiving spirit, neither your words nor your actions will minister to your spouse or your family. Colossians 3.13 says, bearing with one another through their trials, through their your family's issues, um, physical issues, mental issues. Um, the child may come home and tell you they're gay. Don't throw them away. They need a mother's love, a father's love. I'm not saying you have to accept the partner and do all that kind of stuff with them in your house as if it's nothing. And uh, it's a good thing to invite the partner in there for the purpose of reaching them for Christ. So don't be so quick to throw them away because they've made choices you don't like. You can't control the choices your children make. Did you hear what I said? Don't talk down anybody else's child because you don't know what your child is going to become. We ought to bear ye one another's burdens and we ought to be ever so sensitive 
because gay people are people too and they need to experience the love of Jesus. And if you love them to Christ, Christ is able to deliver them out of that lifestyle to the glory of God. You see, bearing with one another and forgiving one another If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you. How many of you have been forgiven of sins in your life? How many of you have experienced God's forgiveness? I I hold all my hands and all my toes up. I have experienced more than I deserve. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. That is not an option. You have to forgive. You are mandated to forgive. Forgiveness keep the family from breaking down. Forgiveness gets you out of that prison. Forgiveness unlocks uh, the door for great things to happen. Forgiveness creates an an opportunity for God to work. Forgiveness creates an opportunity for a breakthrough. That's right. Forgiveness works and yet People, particularly Christians, find it so hard to forgive. Forgive. Some of that is hand-me-down because your mama didn't forgive. Your daddy didn't forgive. They were hard. They were mean. They kept bringing up stuff. And so you picked up a lot of habits, perhaps even from an aunt, a grandparent. And so so now you you hard because all you experienced your young life was hardness. Hardness, just Hand me down unforgiveness. Ask God to change you. Forgiveness works. It takes people out of your court. That's right. You get out of the judgment seat when you forgive. And then when you start remembering how God forgave you of all the sins, the words, your deeds, and your actions, and all the stuff that we don't know about you, you ought to get in a hurry to forgive. If anybody had a right to get back, it would have been the Lord Jesus. And he allowed his own creation to put him up on a cross and to spit in his face and to pierce him in the side. To crown his head with a crown of thorns. A thief on the right and a three thief on the left. He being in the middle, signifying the worst of the three. And he could have called lightning bolts down. He could have said, earth open up. And it would have been instantly swallowed. He didn't say any of that to all his perpetrators. He said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And you know what? A lot of you don't forgive because you don't want to forgive. It kind of do you some good to know you still holding it. You just enjoying holding it and you killing yourself. You stressing yourself. You destroying your mental faculties. You still in joy has evaded you. It's elusive. That's right. And you come to church and can't shout, can't cry, can't move. And when other folk uh, wave a hand or shed a tear, you look at them. What's wrong with them? No, it's not what's wrong with them. What's wrong with you? Don't take the one out that's rejoicing. Take the one out that ain't doing nothing. We 
are mandated to forgive. When you forgive, you'll make that phone call on Thanksgiving Day to the person you're at odds with. You, you, you'll say, can I come over and eat some turkey with you? Or better still, you'll cook a turkey and invite them over. Thanksgiving is a wonderful opportunity to break family feuds to the glory of God. And all of God's children said, and Father, we thank you for this series. The people of God at Maranatha, they've heard a whole lot Lord, we realize these things cannot be done apart from the enablement of the Holy Spirit. Jesus tenderizes, us, soften our spirits. Help us not to be hard to be to live with, to be callous, to be provocative. It's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Father, we know we can't have a real thanksgiving until we let go of our hurts, those who have wronged us even in the family, those who have betrayed us. Father, Help us by your spirit to let go so that we can have a real happy Thanksgiving. You brought these, your people, here because you want them to walk in freedom and not bondage. We bless you now in the name of Jesus we pray. And all God's children say, If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.